Good morning. Uh, As we continue in worship this morning, uh, would you stand for the reading of God's word? Our scripture passage today comes from John chapter 5, verses 16 through 27. You can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen behind me. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Today we are starting a new sermon series that's going to lead us up to Easter. And we're calling it Believe. And we're going to be spending time in the gospel according to John, looking at certain passages. Uh, and, and the goal and the hope uh, of the gospel that John wrote was he wants us to believe. He wants us to believe the good news of Jesus Christ. And how do we know that's the goal, the purpose of his gospel? We, he tells us very clearly straight out at the end of, of, of the book in chapter 20, where he writes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So, so believe. That's, that's the idea, the purpose behind John's gospel, and that's the idea and purpose behind the sermon series. If you do already believe in Jesus Christ, then we hope that you'll be challenged and, challenged and grow, and you'll grow in your faith. And if you don't believe, if you have questions about the faith... Our hope and prayer certainly is that you will come to a place where you truly will put your faith in Christ and believe. But before we start the series off, let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, we're grateful for this day and we're thankful for your word. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would take the words that have just been read and the words that I speak and that you would use them for your purpose, Lord, to to grow us deeper in our relationship with Jesus and, and, and to grow us in our understanding of who you are and and your call and your will for our lives and, and how we might live our lives out, Lord. And, and especially, Lord, we just pray for anyone who really has questions or doubts uh, or is, doesn't believe, Lord, that you would, um, your spirit would work in their heart and mind today for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever found yourself in a situation in life where it would have been better to say less 
than you did. I think pretty much anybody can say that they have, right? Uh, sort of like the, a guy who was camping in the mountains of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, he wasn't far from the ocean, and he was hungry one night, and he decided that he was going to eat seagull. He'd never tried seagull, and so he caught one and he killed it, and he was roasting over the fire when, uh, as luck would have it, a, a forest ranger showed up. And the forest ranger said, um, uh, what, are you, what are you roasting over the fire? And the guy said, well, um, uh, it's, it's a seagull. And the guy said, well, I'm sorry to tell you this, but that's illegal. So I'm going to have to give you a citation and you're going to have to pay a fine. You, you, can't, you can't kill seagulls. It's just not allowed. And the guy said, well, he thought real quickly on his feet. He said, well, sir, sir, I have a good excuse. I, I, was, I was camping and wandering in the, in the mountains and, and uh, I lost my way. I consumed all my food. And so the only thing I could do was to, to catch and kill the first thing I could and, and to eat it. And that's why I'm eating seagull. And the guy said, oh. Okay, he, he gave him some grace and said, I understand, I'll let you off with a warning. And the guy began to walk away. And then the forest ranger said, um, oh, by the way, excuse me, I'm, I'm just curious, what does seagull taste like? And, and the guy thought, thought for a moment and said, well, I would place it somewhere between a spotted owl and a bald eagle. <laughs> so sometimes it's better to say less, isn't it? And you could say the same of Jesus, perhaps. Uh, we, we, we might think he should have said less as we look at chapter five of John. As we look at it, we, we think if I was in his shoes, I might have said less than he did. It might have been the wise thing to do with the pressures and, 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 and how he knew that they might respond. But Jesus does not hold back. He, he says more. He, his words are very deliberate. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's saying. And he knows how his listeners are going to respond. So what exactly did Jesus say in John 5 that got him into such hot water? What does what he said reveal to us about who Jesus is and about how he viewed himself? And what are we to do with the things that Jesus says about himself in this passage? So as we look into John chapter 5 today, we're going to see three claims, three dangerous claims, dangerous to Jesus. Because it puts him in a place of peril. Three claims Jesus makes about himself and about who he is. So let's dig in. Now, remember that John, the apostle, would have been very intentional in putting this book together. We know what his purpose was. We've already stated that he writes it at the end. It's so people would believe that Jesus is who he said he is. But there's not only just purpose in, 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 in what he puts in the book. There's also purpose in the order that he creates the book. He's trying to lead the reader to a place of faith and belief in Jesus. For instance, here in chapter 5, it's the start of a section. Chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, it's a section. And in this section, John is comparing Jesus and drawing parallels between Jesus and different Jewish festivals. So, for instance, there's the festival of Passover. There's there's the festival of, of tabernacles and so on and so forth. Now, why would he do that? Well, he wants to show his readers, especially the Jewish readers, that Jesus was the fulfillment of the festivals, that he was the Messiah and and, and that he had authority over these festivals. And and, and it's, it's, it's interesting in that John starts this section with Jesus on the Sabbath day. Of course, the Sabbath was the was the day that the Jewish people would observe fastidiously. If you were a good Jew, no work was allowed on the Sabbath day. And of course, they did that based upon 
the, the gospel account or the Genesis account of creation, where on the seventh day, Jesus set the day aside and or God set the day aside and rested. And, and so they were trying to and also the, the, the Ten Commandments, where it says the Sabbath day is to be holy and, and set aside and all that. So so Jesus, um, he comes on this thing and it's the Sabbath day. And in, 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 in the first 15 verses of chapter five, Jesus does something really great. He heals the guy. There's a guy who's been an invalid for, for 38 years. And the guy is lying on a mat, and Jesus comes across him and, and tells him, get up and take your mat and walk. And the guy is healed. That's a good thing, right? Not in the minds of the Jewish leaders. Because it tells us that they see this guy walking around carrying a mat, which according to them was against the, Jewish, against the law to do on, on a Sabbath. He's doing work. So they begin to give him a hard time about this. And the guy says, well, this guy who healed me, he told me to do it. So that's, that's a strike against Jesus. He, in, in the Jewish leaders' minds, they, they, ask, they, they, they ask who this guy is. They track Jesus down and they begin to give Jesus a hard time about this. Why did you tell this guy to pick up the, the mat and work on the Sabbath? And then why did you heal somebody on the Sabbath? Because that's, that's also work. And this is where we pick it up in verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, healing, all right, telling somebody to pick up a mat and do work, the Jews persecuted him. So Jesus gets in trouble for what he has done, what he tells somebody to do, and now he's going to get in trouble for what he says. Verse 17. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Jesus is very intentional about using the word work. All right. He says, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. What is Jesus saying? Well, the Jewish leaders would have understood that God was always at work. I mean, the universe was still running. The sun comes up, the, the stars come out, rain would fall, people would be born, people would die. God was still, in a sense, controlling and working, uh, running the universe. So when Jesus says, my father is always at his work to this very day, he's referring to God. And he's saying that God, my father, can work on the Sabbath, and so can I. Essentially, Jesus is saying that he's equal with God. And that's exactly how the Jewish leaders take it. Again, verse 16. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So this is the first claim that Jesus makes that gets him into hot water. It riles the, the Jewish leaders up so much that they want to kill him. And his first claim is that he is the son of God and that he is equal with God. You know, when I was in college, um, I took an upper-level history class. I was a history major, and, and uh, there was a gra some graduate students in there, and one of them was from Bangladesh. Uh, the guy was in his 30s. Uh, he'd, he'd come to, to the U.S. from Bangladesh, uh, left his wife and kids behind because he wanted to provide a better life for his, his family. So he came to get his master's, get his Ph.D. His plan was to go back and to teach and, and to provide a better life for them. And we became friends, and so much to the point that he invited me over to his apartment one time for, for dinner. And so I went there, a very humble apartment, a small one-room, a shared bathroom down the hallway. Uh, and I showed up right when he was, he was a Muslim man, 
right when he was getting ready to do his, his evening prayers. And so uh, he kind of apologized. I said, no, 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 that's okay. And he said, well, do you mind? I said, no. So I sat over in the corner and he, he knelt down and did his prayers. And, and we got, he got done and he served me goat with curry. First time I had goat. It was really good, but very, very hot. Um, but we had a great conversation and, and eventually it turned to, to our beliefs about God, specifically about Jesus. And, and he told me that, that, he re, that he respected Jesus they admired him. He was a good man. He was an important prophet, but he certainly was not God. And that we Christians had misinterpreted things. You know, many people will say that Christians overstate and misunderstand who Jesus was. That he was a great teacher, important historical figure, but he wasn't God, never claimed to be. But if you look at Jesus' words on several occasions, he makes claims to be the Son of God equal to God the Father, and none more clearly than here in chapter 5. And so these Jewish leaders in verse 18, they understood what Jesus was saying. They get angry, and then what does Jesus do? He pours more fuel on the fire. He keeps talking. Look at verse 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life in whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So Jesus' response to these angry leaders was not only that I'm the Son of God, I'm equal with God the Father, but along with that I'm also sovereign over life and, so- and, and, and sovereign over judgment. Therefore, he says, treat me Accordingly, if you don't honor me, you're not honoring God. He's just doubling down. He's he's broadening his claim to to be God, the son of God. And the Jewish leaders, they just go crazy. They can't believe this. This is blasphemy to them. You know, when our our youngest son, Reed, was little, he liked to play with his older siblings, uh, Anna and J.D., and and usually that would go well, but once in a while, he would step outside the role of little brother. You know, there's an expected role that the little youngest is supposed to play, right? And he would step outside that role once in a while, and, and when Anna or J.D. would do something that they shouldn't have, he would step in and correct them. You should not do that. That's wrong. That's not nice. That was bad. Go to timeout. That wouldn't go over well, right? Why? Because he was a little brother. Correction and judgment are not supposed to come from the the younger sibling. They're supposed to come from mom or, or dad. That's their roles. That's what's going on here. It infuriates the Jewish leaders. Who is Jesus to be talking about judging, about what's right and wrong? Who, who died and made him, who made him king? He doesn't have that authority. Think about it this way. Suppose you're in a courtroom and it's been a heated trial and it's time to make a judgment. And somebody from the gallery stands up and says, guilty. Or say you're at work and, and, and you're the owner and boss of the company and a new, co- a new, a new uh, employee steps in at your, and, and says, you know, this is what you're doing wrong in the company. Or, or if somebody, somebody, just the average person said, I'm going to declare so-and-so pardoned. If anybody else tried it, there would be an uproar, right? Because it's not their place to make those judgments and decisions. This is, this is what's happening here. This is the second claim that Jesus makes that gets him into trouble. 
He states that he has authority to judge not only presently, but on judgment day. Not only is he the son of God, he says, I'm also the judge of humanity. We see this in verse 25, where he says, I tell you the truth. A time is coming and has now come when the devil will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. For as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of God. Do not be amazed at this. For time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil rise to be condemned. Jesus is claiming the authority to judge. George Will uh, wrote in his book, Men at Work, Baseball umpires are carved from granite and stuffed with microchips. They are professional dispensers of pure justice. Once when Babe Pinelli called Babe Ruth out on strikes, Ruth made a, a populist argument. He reasoned fallaciously, as populists do, from raw numbers to moral weight. In other words, if more people think this is the right thing or right call, then they're right and you're wrong. And he said, there's 40,000 people here who know that last one was a ball, you, you tomato head. That's kind of an odd insult, but that's what he said, apparently. Pinelli the ump replied with the, with the measured stateliness of John Marshall, the Supreme Court judge. Maybe so, but mine is the only opinion that counts. The same is true for us. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying when it comes to judgment, there's only one opinion that counts, and it's, and it's mine. And this just enrages the Jewish leaders. Who is he to claim that authority? That's the second dangerous claim that Jesus makes. The third one we find in verse 24. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes me, or believes him who sent me, has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So Jesus is claiming here, that he has the power and the authority to give eternal life. Now, just in case anybody here is confused and thinking that we'll be judged and receive eternal life based upon how good of a life that we live, let me emphasize, the Bible does not teach that. Jesus does not say that. Yes, we will be held accountable for the way we live our lives, but the basis of eternal life is not our good works. It's belief in Jesus Christ. It's faith in him and in him alone. Jesus is very clear on that. He emphasizes it by saying, I tell you the truth. In other words, listen up. This is really important. This is the truth. If anyone hears my words and believe that I am the son of God, that person is saved. And they cross over from death to life. Now, once again, remember what the Apostle John's stated purpose of all these stories and writings that he's accumulated. What is it? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus claims to be God. Jesus claims to be able to, to judge. Jesus claims to to be able to give life, eternal life, to all. And if he truly is God, as he claimed to be, 
then we should pay attention to what he says. We should pay attention to what he values and how he lived his life. If he is God, the only wise choice is to follow him. And if he is God, the only fitting thing to do is to fall down and worship. C.S. Lewis um, talks about um, the whole, this whole decision about who Jesus was in, in kind of a, a famous quote. I won't read it all to you, but essentially he says that it's, it's a really silly thing to say that Jesus, just to say he was a good moral teacher, but, but, but he wasn't really God. And, and C.S. Lewis says it, it can't be that. Either he was a Lord, he is the Lord, he was a liar, or he's a lunatic. Either he's crazy when he said these things about himself. Uh, or he was lying. He knew he really wasn't. He was saying those things. But if he was, why would he go to the cross and die for a lie? Or he really was the son of God. And Lewis says, let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. So we're left with a choice. Jesus asked this question of Peter and the disciples, who do you say that I am? And John has written these things so that we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Lord of all, that Jesus is the one who will judge at the end of time, that Jesus died for our sins on the cross, that Jesus rose from the dead and has the the ability to give us life, eternal life. So we're challenged. We have a choice. What will we believe about who Jesus is? You know, if you've never made the commitment to, to believe in Jesus Christ as, as the Son of God and your Savior, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that today. Um, it's, 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 it's really important for, a, for each person to make that decision in their heart. Who is Jesus Christ to them? If you've never said, I do believe I do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I do believe that He died on the cross for my sins. I do believe that He can give me eternal life. I do believe He rose from the dead. If you have never said that to the Lord in your heart or out loud, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that today because it's really important that you make a decision about what you believe about Jesus. So I'm going to offer a prayer, and if you want to say that, if you have not decided to, if you have not decided to follow Christ and you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, then I encourage you to, to pray that prayer after me. You can say it in your heart. You can say it out loud. But the important thing is, is that you, you do make that choice and put your trust and belief in Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come into your presence, and, and Lord, we... I do believe. I do believe, Jesus, that you are who you said you are, that you are the Son of God. I do believe that you have the power and authority over life and over death. I do believe that you died for my sins on the cross. I do believe that you rose from the dead. I do believe and I put my trust in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, if there is anyone here today who has prayed those words in their heart, Lord, I pray that your spirit would would, um, work in their heart and mind um, to grow them into the person that you've called them to be. 
to help them to understand and grow in the faith and the commitment that they've made. That their belief would increase and grow and become stronger and stronger. Lord, that you would encourage them through your spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that your word tells us that when we put our trust in in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that we cross over from death um, into life, both now and forever. And so we celebrate that, Lord, and we thank you for that. And so, Father, now as we prepare to come to the table to receive the elements, Lord, we, we offer ourselves to you in Jesus' powerful and precious name, through whom we pray. Amen.